We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. We've already covered the running backs and quarterbacks from the rookie class and how they actually fit into the redraft season-long rankings and the best ball rankings today. We're hammering down on wide receivers and tight ends from that rookie class to see if any of these guys are actually draftable in your redraft leagues. You know, the ones where you draft players, have to cut people, have to pick people up throughout the course of the season, not just, I'm going to draft 500 players, and you know, everyone's a good pick. None of that stuff. Do you actually want to draft these guys? In Dynasty, that would be one thing. This ain't Dynasty that we're talking about today. If you're looking for season-long projections that are completely free, highly recommend that you head on over to runthesims.com right now uh, you can sign up with a free membership uh, to get access the nfl projections and then you can customize them in any way you want run the simulations ten thousand times in under five seconds and boom you'll have your own custom projections and own custom rankings that you can go with so again run the go check it out right now jake seeley from the athletic.com on the line with me to break all of these guys down who is the highest ranked rookie wide receiver you have in your season-long rankings Ooh, see, that's definitely, I'm glad you brought that up at the beginning of the show, Dynasty versus Just Redraft, because Just Redraft, the landing spot was a big deal, and it's Jordan Addison for me just because of the landing spot. So I ran my Sims at RunTheSims.com. Addison comes out as wide receiver number 38 in the projections. Mm. I have a feeling mm-hmm. he's going to go much higher than that. I, you know, looking right now, I actually, I could look at the ADP and tell you, I think that's actually close to his range because that tier in front of him uh we've been talking about it on my show and the fact that like it's so big because you're still talking about drake london this second year Ayuk, mclaurin blah, blah like down the list addison i have at 35 and where i would take him in my rankings actually as of today adp still has him at 40. really okay i i find yeah. that i find I'm that as surprised as you are 
Yeah, usually people are all over the rookies. You know, Thielen gone. Maybe they're sweating KJ Osborne. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I, that may make no sense. I think a lot of people are on Smith and Jigba, which you know, there's going to be behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Let's chill out a second. I know we're going to talk through all of them, but the landing spot wasn't better for any rookie wide receiver than stepping into the Adam Thielen role. And yeah, sure. KJ Osborne may be a factor. Maybe they throw a little bit more with Alexander Madison out of the backfield and a little bit more of Ty Chandler if he gets involved, whatever it might be. But, you know, Hawkinson, I think maybe that's in people's mind that he's a bigger threat than Irv Smith ever was because Irv Smith couldn't stay on the field. But I'm with you. Like, I, I think Addison should be top 40. Uh, and not to, hey, plug my own stuff, you always ask me to, but I actually did an article over The Athletic right after the draft on the hit rate of first round drafted wide receivers in fantasy just for their rookie season. And they hit about 50% of the time, which is more than double any other round, second, third, and fourth after. So at least two of these four wide receivers taken in the first round by history should hit as a top 35 to 40 wide receiver this year. Uh, looking at it right now, and I'm on NFC, the high stakes fantasy football league. So all mm -hmm. drafts done from the beginning of May to today. And it actually kind of factors out exactly where we said he was going in, in that range. Wide receiver number 40, overall pick number 89. Or, yeah. Wide receiver number 40, pick number 89 overall, one spot behind Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going at pick number 88 as the number one rookie wide receiver off the board. But that's behind Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks and Hollywood Brown, George Pickens. One thing I, I do need to point out here, number 33, ADP-wise, maybe you can explain this one to me. And I get like where the drop-off comes in. But Mike Evans is the 33rd receiver coming off the board? That seems crazy. Uh, is it though because yeah it is it is crazy like no. wait, wait, wait just all of a sudden oh he doesn't have tom brady throwing in the ball so obviously he can't be good his best years came with Jameis just flinging it it it, it did but let's also remember i think the biggest thing people are looking at is there's a double-edged sword here with him as one is it's going to be baker mayfield likely kyle tracks could get in the mix I don't think Baker Mayfield's as bad as people paint him out to be. There was so much hype from college. There was so much hype for his rookie season that it wasn't even his own fault. I mean, his play is his own fault, but it wasn't his own fault of the expectations that got built in so that even just being a middle-of-the-road quarterback is a disappointment, a massive disappointment for what Baker Mayfield was supposed to be. But he's still a downgrade. That being said, how much of a downgrade is he off last year's Tom Brady version? I would still take 10, Tom Brady 10 times out of 10, but I don't think the gap is as enormous as it was two or three years ago. And here's the thing I'll say the double-edged sword for Mike Evans. 40% of the production was at the end of the season in that one game where Tom Brady was like, I'm going to get you your bonus, dude. Because until that point, Mike Evans wasn't even a top 25 wide receiver. And I think that's why. Because if he couldn't even get there without Tom Brady making a case or making his effort to get his bonus in that one game where he finally broke to the top 15 after that one game, the rest of the season, he's a wide receiver three. And who's more reliable i would say to be a quarterback transition piece where like quarterback immune so to speak i think it's chris godwin and mike evans relies too much on touchdowns i would take chris godwin over mike evans and i don't think it's as bad as it, as you're making it out to be i here i'll give you an example i have mike evans or i'll give you the performance here mike evans i have a wide receiver 28 so five spots off i don't think that, that that's insane yeah, I mean, 28 is actually where Chris Godwin is currently being drafted right now. It's just funny, like, Michael Pittman is number 26 overall wide receiver. Okay. Like, I, I get that he could be 
wide receiver one with the Colts on a team that clearly wants to run the ball as much as possible. And yeah, maybe he does have that vault of what everyone predicted from him a year ago. But to me, like, at least I know Mike Evans can do it. I have no idea if Michael Pittman can do it or not. And he might have a rookie quarterback who could... I mean, listen, Anthony Richardson could be good. It could be Gardner Minshew throwing in the ball, but Anthony Richardson could stink as well, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, I like, I love Anthony Richardson. I think he, talent-wise, case to be the number one quarterback in this draft class, fantasy-wise especially, because he's going to run so much. We love him for fantasy. But the comparison, the easy comparison to make is the concern that Justin Fields had as his first real season under center. It wasn't truly his rookie season, but we saw it. You have the concern of, a Justin Fields, Daniel Jones type of a passing season, which just look at Daniel Jones last year, 15 touchdowns, 3,000 yards. Even if you give him that, the rushing will make Anthony Richardson a, a, a QB1, top 10, possibly top five, but it's going to affect the wide receivers. I don't disagree with you with Michael Pittman. I have Michael Pittman behind both of them, but just for your point. I am low on Michael Pittman according to ADP and consensus. So for the rookies, let's circle back to them. Uh, Jackson Smith in Jigba, number 39 at wide receiver, 88 overall. Addison, 40th wide receiver, 89 overall. Quinton Johnson is the third, or Johnson is the third wide receiver coming off the board at wide receiver 44 pick number 105 in high stakes and then you go down to zay flowers who is wide receiver number 50 at pick 120 overall in high stakes do you think that those are very clearly the four that are going to be drafted in your season long to league teams yes i think some people will get the concern of what's going on with baltimore is like whether or not rashad bateman would get healthy which by the way is also he's getting injections right now Sweet. and if we're assuming, steroids yeah he should, he yeah. should take steroids i mean maybe that, that would help, help. <laughs> that would help uh but i think we make the assumption it's probably related to the foot injury so that's a concern to have in the back of our minds i would have say you and I talk tears all the time and to go real back to the Mike Evans conversation quickly. Uh, it's they're all in the same tier. Like, like you want to argue Pittman versus Evans, but like what, that's a big tier for me. Uh, this is another tier. I would have Smith and Jaba, Quinton and Johnston and the, my number one for this year, only Addison. And then it's a big drop off for me. I think Zay flowers is kind of an Island of his own. We do that sometimes because there's a huge drop off to him with the people after him, whether there's a lot of people on the Mingo train with the Carolina Panthers, whether you think Jalen Hyatt, which I don't think he's going to have a very good rookie season because it's just such a log jam at wide receiver for the Giants. I think Jaden Reed could be the number two for the Packers, but we're talking about a lot of ifs here and unclear situations where we know J Addison is a first round pick. He's stepping into the number two role. Flowers first round pick could have the number one. Well, technically number two behind Mark Andrews. So I think it's the three flowers by his own and then a conversation for everybody else i'm looking at the stock projections right now from run the sims before i've adjusted them at all it would have flowers coming out as wide receiver number 55 in terms of production and that's with a 15 percent market share a catch rate at 75 percent so much higher than the rest of the receivers based on the route tree that he runs that seems about right 15 percent market share as a rookie 75 i mean 75 percent catch rate is probably a bit high but overall that would give you 145.3 ppr points for the season I, I think that's pretty solid i think the good comparison if you want to think fantasy purposes of what we just saw last year would be like Deontay Johnson and hopefully not scoring zero touchdowns. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. But you talk about that wide receiver. You look at um, Flowers, like just a reliable 
uh, option he gives that team and for what Lamar Jackson. Supposedly, hey, Monk is going to let him pass a little bit more. I'm just looking right now to see what I had him at for my market share. I have Zay Flowers. I'm a little bit higher. I have Flowers at 18%. So I think he actually leads the team. But, you know, Odell Beckham's a concern. I don't know how healthy or how effective he is at this point. I think the one concern for us in fantasy purposes, half and full point PPR are definitely going to be better for Flowers. I'm worried about the touchdown rate with him versus when you have you know, Mark Andrews and Odell Beckham in the mix. Are you buying that the Baltimore Ravens offense is going to be a lot more up-tempo? Because that's all we've been hearing out of camp. Just, oh, it's, it's going at lightning speed, just like the new Green Bay offense. Yeah, they're not going to be the slowest team in the league anymore. <laughs> they're playing at lightning speed. You think any of this is going to happen, I, or are they just going to do what they do every time? <laughs> I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive, throw possibly a little bit more, but I, this isn't going to all of a sudden turn into a top five. It goes to the argument that we had a couple of years ago. Was it two years ago now where we said even a 20% jump from Lamar Jackson's passing was the year he came off the 400 attempts would only get him to around 500. Like, I think that's the big thing is like it can be a big boost and they throw to the running backs a little bit more and maybe J.K. Dobbins can get to 25 receptions, but it's not all of a sudden going to turn into a top five offense and running 70 plays a game and like let's, let's be realistic about it. It can be an improvement. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have a dramatic improvement, but also realize that a dramatic improvement for the Baltimore Ravens is a lot different than having a team like the, you know, the Packers jumping from 10th to 1st. I have Lamar for 526 passing attempts this year. They would put him just south of 4,000 yards. Fortunately, that still leaves him as the number five quarterback in fantasy. I have a 529. We're almost lockstep on that one. We're very close to that in terms of what the actual run. Actually, I'm at six. Yeah, uh, that means you have Herbert at five? No, Justin Fields at five. If Justin Fields at five, where does Fields come in? Fields yeah. does not project out well based on Justin's projections, at least. He comes in at number 11. <laughs> but the gap between fantasy points isn't all that large, strangely enough. Like, between Aaron Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence, actually, no, it's between Justin Fields and basically Lamar Jackson. There's like a 20-point spread between six guys, including Dak, Daniel Jones, Cousins, Deshaun Watson. All those guys are just kind of in a bucket of tears. And then you get to the upper level, like Allen Hurts, Mahomes, and Burrow. Yeah, I think you could play with that different ways, too. I mean, ours are going to be a little bit different, but I'm with you in the fact it's quarterback. That's why if you want anybody in the top tier or the top two tiers we've been talking about, not rookies, this has nothing to do with that conversation, just – there's a case to be made to start taking quarterbacks earlier, not first round, not second round, but start thinking about third, fourth, fifth round again for those select few. Because mine, where I differ from you, it's my spot's different, but from QB 10 to QB 17 for me is only a 10-point gap. Tell me a little bit about Jonathan Mingo and what his role could be in Carolina. Well, the big op- the upside is obviously if he's the number two. And that's really what it comes down to is there's an opportunity to be the number two. Uh, I compared him to the fantasy purposes. What I did for my rookies this year is a lot of times people are like, they want to make those player comps. And they're, you know how it is, Pat. It's always like, it's not player comp like, oh, it, it, he could be Brian Robinson. It's like, oh, he's Ezekiel Elliott or Barry Sanders <laughs> or with wide receivers. He looks like Terrell Owens. But I said Marquise Colston, but kind of like that. Yeah, now, like question, will he have tight end eligibility in his rookie year? That's, <laughs> I all, I, that's all I really need to know. 
<laughs> that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, the slightly lesser Marquise Colston, uh, possibly a little bit more boomer bust. He's not playing with Drew Brees, not playing one of the best offenses in the league, uh, playing with a rookie quarterback. But I, I look at the opportunity there to be the number two, immediately get that rapport with a quarterback out of the gate, uh, and then have that Marquise Colston kind of role. But that would mean for fantasy purposes, like slightly lesser Marquise Colston, the inconsistent Marquise Colston means he's a wide receiver four. And that's the picture I want people to have in their mind is the fantasy outlook. Uh, some of my comparisons for rookies, fantasy-wise, is like that's not the same player at all. And I, I, it's because I wanted to give the fantasy outlook for it because uh, to go back to Jordan Addison, I know a lot of people um, – who was the big one Jordan Addison got compared? Oh, everybody wanted to compare him to Devonta Smith. I'm like, eh, for fantasy purposes, I think he's Jarvis Landry. And for a couple of years there, Jarvis Landry was that 20 to 30 range. You talked about loving him in PPR every single year, and I think that's more realistic than saying, oh, he's going to be Devonta Smith, top 12 wide receiver. Why can't I mean you say that Aaron Mingo could be the two in this offense? Why can't he just be the one? Like who is he competing with? Old man Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall, who's had plenty of chances at this point. Chenault, you know the internet's going to be all over Chenault to be the number one. Who else is here? <laughs> DJ Chark has been brought in. The Birdman, Coco Beware, Demir Bird, She Smith, one of my just favorite like punt plays on DraftKings, and then you know Hayden Hurst is going to join Tommy Tremel and Ian Thomas. Like it's a bunch of nobodies. It's true. By the way, uh, it is sh- live to YouTube or whatever, but does that sound okay? Because I froze there for a second. I just oh, want to make sure I'm not messing up your audio. You sound glorious. At least from what I can okay. hear, you sound glorious. Okay. All right. You're not wrong in that he could be the one uh, because you said o- old man Thielen. I-, I think that I would give the edge to what Thielen still has less as in his moxie <laughs> to throw it over like that. But like, like look, it's his game ability to know where he needs to be for a young quarterback. Uh, This kind of experience, I think, comes along with that a little bit more. So fantasy production, does Mingo have a higher ceiling? Absolutely. I I would say if you told me ceilings, I'm taking Mingo. So for draft purposes, I actually would take Mingo before I take. Like, Thielen's kind of off my radar. Like, you and I talk about this every single year. It's like, why am I going to draft somebody I could find on waiver wire? Why am I going to draft at this point? I I hate to do this to Thielen because we love them for years, but... Adam Thielen's of the world for the longest time. You know, it was always uh, the one that used to play for the Packers, the one that you interviewed at the at the Super Bowl. I Jer- can't think of his name all of a sudden. Jer fucking Mike Finley? No, Greg Jennings. Oh, yeah, Greg, Greg Jennings. Jennings. Yeah, I mean, Greg Jennings was like, like elite for years, and then he was just a guy. For it's funny because the Packers yeah. always had that guy because once Greg Jennings came onto the scene and was actually good with Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver became that guy, and James Jones became that guy. Like, they just had one random receiver every year who, if in a pinch, <laughs> if you needed to pick up off the waiver wire and play, random Packers third receiver was available. That could be Thielen this year. Heinz Ward at the end of his career was exactly the same. Everyone. Yes. There was like, in your league of 12 teams, eight of those teams had Heinz Ward on it at some point during the course of the season. (laughs) I think everybody picked up and played Heinz Ward at some point. You're not wrong. And that's what I'm saying. Instead of drafting those, I'll draft Mingo because 13th, 14th, 15th round. And if he doesn't work out, boom, I'll go back and pick up the waiver darling at the beginning of the season. Or if I need a replacement, there's a Thielen there. There's a a million other ones. Curtis Samuel is going to be out there every damn week and talked about every single week. And we could find all the rest of them. Uh, The one name, did you mention DJ Chark? Not that he's going to stay healthy for the entire season, but DJ Chark is still in the mix too. He's going to have his games, but he's not going to be their number one. I I would envision that his season looks a lot like it did in Detroit last year, but worse. Okay, and that's fair. So where I'll say the difference is real life one versus fantasy one is like 
Chark and probably Chark and Thielen start out as the one and two on the field, and then Mingo's the three. And could he absolutely push past both, if not at least one of them? No question about it. But I think like pecking order, which comes down to opportunities on the field. And I think that's the concern of why we won't push Mingo higher as of today. That comes with the risk that similar to Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt should be at least the second best, if not the best wide receiver for the Giants. But does he get past Wondell Robinson and Paris Campbell and Isaiah Hodgins, who looked great with Daniel Jones towards the end Hodgins, of last season? Hodgins and, was awesome. <laughs> I know. And Sterling Shepard's healthy right now, so you know you get three or four weeks out of him. It's just it's getting past guys. It's getting through the muck to get to that one or two opportunity. Yeah, taking a look at the Giants breakdown right now, where is Hyatt? Missy Hyatt, where are you at? Wide receiver number 73 <laughs> in projections, which does leave him to be the best at the moment. Although I think there's, I think I may have to go and customize this and, you know, bump up Hodgins a little bit. I thought he was good. I, I, yeah, I know Hodgins that, is the highest. That, that or he just has an amazing rapport with Daniel Jones. Or he was just the only guy who was any good on that team at receiver last year. <laughs> there's, there's that possibility too. Why not all of that? I mean, it could be all of those factors put together. Well, I mean, this is like we talked about with the Ravens that obviously on the Giants, and we'll see what happens with this Barkley situation. I just assume that he's going to play. But how much of an impact and gravitational pull do you think that Waller has on that offense? I think it's enough. I think it's enough to be concerned, and that's why Isaiah Hodgins checks out as a wide receiver five for me, even as the highest, because I think Paris Campbell, the excitement is real if he can stay healthy, but he's not going to be a fancy game breaker because we're still talking about somebody who's going to be probably the latter career of Jarvis Landry, you know, maybe 70 catches, but it's going to be a lot of shorter stuff. The touchdowns probably not going to be there, especially with Daniel Jones last year. I keep going back to that. Didn't even throw a touchdown per game. And I think if you're looking at who's the number one in this offense, this honestly is the poor man. Actually, poor man's isn't even good enough. This is like Walmart dollar bin. And actually, they left it outside by the dumpster just for anybody to take anything version of Patrick Mahomes Chiefs, as in <laughs> Waller is Kelsey. And then it's everybody else behind that. And it's everybody else fighting for two. Like last year's, where it was like, okay, Juju Smith-Schuster, I guess. Like, it's just... It's that version, but like the way, 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 way worst version of the Chiefs. Yeah, it's, it's the Salvation Army charity donation version go. of the Chiefs. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. So yeah, like Slayton's still there. Paris Gambud, the Frenchman, is there. Wendale Robinson. I forgot they signed Jamison Crowder. It's it's shocking to me that they can have Jamison Crowder and Sterling Shepard on the same team. <laughs> I, I thought Brian Dable was just trying. The Jalen Hyatt thing surprised me because I just thought he didn't want anybody who was actually six feet tall. No, just you need to be like 35 years old and the same size as me. That that's who you want at receiver <laughs> in the NFL. You, you should go show up at Giants camp. Maybe he gets signed. Back. It's like Brian, man, put me on. Put me on the field. I, I'm prototypical <laughs> size. You know, I'm just a, a quick five eight, one seventy five. You know, I I can kind of beat a five five forty at this point in my life. Let's go. Let's have it. So to go back to Mingo for a second, he and Hyatt are going sixty four and sixty six in high stakes at uh, NFC. So I I recommend that everyone go play in the NFC. By the way, I think it's the best structured of all of the high stakes contests. And there's always spots open uh, i mean when we say high stakes these days i mean it's the same as like you know what you spend on one one higher stakes tournament per week on yeah. DraftKings, and it just lasts you all season long it's actually good investment uh rashi rice is sandwiched in between them at number 65 like if you're going to take mm-hmm. the upside let's say you had to draft a rookie right now mm-hmm. uh going where they're going at receiver and just have them on your bench for four weeks just to assess the situation like Mingo makes a lot of sense to me because he could be the number one Addison's price is a bit more punitive than the rest of these guys who are essentially free at the end of drafts and going 
unnoticed. Do you think that Rice is actually the right answer here? Or is this just another in a long line of random guys that Patrick Mahomes is throwing to that everyone's like, well, they got to be good. Patrick Mahomes is throwing <laughs> <Okay>. to them. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's more the realistic thing. Like, I actually think Rice and Dynasty, I would, this is just for the argument's sake, so people understand. I'm not saying, oh, Dynasty only. Sounds like I you think, are. I like saying Rice. <laughs> no, no, no. I like Rice more than Sky more for Dynasty. Like, I think Rice is the better player. And that's why I'm saying that. So if I took a flyer on somebody this year, I know some people are on Sky more. And I, there's, there's a non zero chance that Sky Moore is the best, if not second best wide receiver on this team. Like it could happen, but I just, I would take the upside of Rice over more. That being said, I think if Kadarius Tony stays healthy, he's the one of all of them, but he's not the rookie that we're talking about here. And he's obviously his ADP is way more expensive. If you want to talk about pure free rookies, uh, you know, we could go real deep and be like, oh, Michael Wilson's super interesting for the Cardinals. And, but I mean, who's going to be their quarterback, Clayton Toon, name that tune. I'm sure you've done that one, but it comes down to, I actually like Jaden Reed the most because I think Jaden Reed should be the two for Jordan Love. I think he's significantly better than Romeo Dubs. And Dubs. Do- yeah. You Dubs but, you can't, the- but you can't say his name like that. And that's like know, minus 40 spots in Pat's rankings. <laughs> that's true. So you put Dobbs in the slot and Christian Watson and Jaden Reed is the one and two. And if you have any faith that Jordan Love can have a half decent season, I think for the free Reed is stepping into a situation even better than Mingo. I think he's definitively the second best talent of what the Packers have. Does it work out? We know this. Not necessarily. He could struggle as a rookie. But if you're talking about Jordan Aston's situation for another rookie, I think it's Jordan Reed or Jordan, no, sorry, Jaden Reed. And I would say Jaden Reed would be the free one that I would want to take. Okay, so you would want him over Mingo, who is also free. I think I would just go with, I mean, I, I like I like the case that you make for Reed, that he can develop into this number two. If Mingo can develop him, the problem is he still plays for Carolina. So even if you are the number one, what is that, like, is that even playable on a week-to-week basis? At least it seems like with what you said with Reed, like, yeah, we're kind of penciling in Addison to have potential upside numbers based on his role, the offense that he's in, and the coverage he's likely to see playing opposite Justin Jefferson. It seems like a perfect storm of a great situation situation as a rookie to come into with much higher pedigree so what you're saying in terms of what Jaden Reed is potentially going to do is that the upside is there because the Packers offense could be good and if he is the number two hell why are we just saying Christian Watson's awesome because Aaron Rodgers was very good at hitting him down the field what if Jordan Love's not good at that is he going to be any good Sure. Well, I think that also comes to the conversation uh, I was going to ask you. What do you have on Run the Sims for Bryce Love versus Jordan Love? Bryce Young versus Jordan Love. I don't name both of them. <laughs> Bryce Dude Man Love. Uh, Bryce Young and Jordan Love. Uh, the difference between them is pretty. Are they back to back? Where are we at here? Will, Will Levis, Sam Darnold. Oh, we're in some real winner territory here. League winner, <laughs> Kyle Trask. Uh, love is I number. I love some Sam Howell this year. I believe Love is twenty. Love is twenty six, just behind Sam Howell, okay. by the way, and Mac Jones and Dirty Purdy. Uh, so what do you have for passing yards and touchdowns? I have Jordan Love at thirty three, thirty seven passing yards, twenty passing touchdowns, and that would give him with almost 300 rushing yards on 450 attempts. With Bryce Young, I have him at 380 passing attempts, uh, 18 touchdowns. So he's a bit behind in terms of fantasy points overall, but but like 25 behind. And that could just be completely way off base. What if Bryce Young runs a whole bunch all of a sudden? Well, do you have have Andy Dalton playing some too? Yeah, that's the main reason for it, yeah. 
No, okay, I can, so, you like, know what? I can, I, because, I mean, Run the Sims is very good about this. I'll click on Carolina. I will take out Andy Dalton, and we're just going to give the passing share, passing attempt share of everything to Andy Dalton. See if that uh, does any anything good for us coming through here. Passing market share is zero. Passing market share 100% for Bryce Young. We'll save that, and we'll run these Sims on us. Gotta expand the screen here so I can run the Sims. Projections by position. Let's go. This is thrilling content to go through at this moment. <laughs> right? that, that actually bumped. I mean, honestly. That makes Bryce Young QB number 24 all of a sudden because now he's up to 477 passing attempts, 22 touchdowns. So that's not so bad. 20, 22, How many yards? Tw 22 touchdowns, 24 interceptions, uh, 3,400. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little higher on both, and, but I think it would come down to who do you have more faith in having the yards and touchdowns, and that could be your break of Mingo versus Reed. I, I think it really comes down to the Reed. And to go back to your conversation about Christian Watson, you know what? For all-around wide receiver, I don't, I don't disagree that there's a world where Jaden Reed could be the best all-around wide receiver for the Packers and that Christian Watson ends up turning it – you know, go back to like, he turns into Marquise Brown, where, you know, at the end of the year, he has 60 receptions for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. But one week is three points. The next week is 20, where Jaden Reed ends up being the one that every single week is kind of like hitting that oh, 70 yards, maybe a touchdown, four or five receptions. And it's just that consistent wide receiver three. And then Watson's that boomer bust one. So it comes down to makeup too. But uh, at least for rookie purposes alone, you're still going to take Watson 10 times out of 10 over Reed, but Reed being the free ones, like I said, to go back to this conversation is between Rice, Mingo, Hyatt, Reed, even like, I don't get the Mims excitement where he is, unless you're getting rid of Cortland Sutton. Uh, Reed would be the free one I would take. What about Hutchinson in Houston? Could that just be, hey, this team reeks. Let's throw a rookie out there and see if he can do anything. I, I don't think it reeks enough that <laughs> Hutchinson gets that much work and okay. it's Hutchinson style too. Like I don't think Hutchinson is gonna ever be anything more than like a three at okay. best. What what if I, what if Tank Dell all name team on Houston can come through for us? <laughs> Same situation. Like, like we still have Nico Collins. I think people are forgetting John Mechie. Not you, but I think people are forgetting like he's the reliable one. Like I think he's the going to be CJ Stroud's best friend. Reliable one. <laughs> His hands. His, he's he is going to be CJ Stroud's safety blanket. I'm like, like if he's healthy, which we're all obviously hoping for. But I'm like, I'm looking right now down Houston's roster. Of course, there's it's tons Robert, of opportunities. It's, it's, it's Robert Woods. Right after you oh, get rid of Ro <laughs> Robert Woods is there, and they're probably going to run the ball. Though? I mean, he's he's still is one he? of the he's still one of the best blocking receivers in football. He's always going to be on the field because that's which means he's not even going to get targets. <laughs> exactly. That I mean, that's why Mr. Reliable might not end up being out there. Noah Brown's on this team now. Like they just got like names, like blast from the past. Fifth wide receivers on like bad passing offenses from the past five. Well, years. they got Dalton Schultz too. So don't forget. Like I'll give you for me. My projections, and I'm curious what yours. So I have Woods for 17% of the share. I'm rounding off to make this easier, but Woods 17%, Schultz for all intents and purposes 16, Nico 15, and Mechie 14. That's I, what I have. I got Schultz at 19, Woods at 11, Nico at 19, and Michi, uh at 9. That's behind Noah Brown at 10. I have Noah Brown at 2. 
I mean, that, that's, e- that's easy to do. If I want to put Noah Brown at two, then I can reallocate that 8% across everyone else and it bumps everyone up. Easy to do at runthesims.com. Completely free, by the way, to go sign up. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't you have enjoyed that like 10 years ago when you were like struggling on Excel to create your projections? Like, oh, this is just done for me and I can add in what I want. <laughs> oh, you're trying to take the clicks out of my pocket? No, I, I completely, yes. The, the, the two plus years it took to finish building that and like having like the hap, Hazard halfway won the very first year. Yes, it would have been much nicer if it was all done for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you uh, decided on where you'd want to pick in the first round yet? Oh, in redraft? Yeah. I'm still, I'm always going to go top three or four pick. Always, because... It maths out. You see it every single year without the third round reversal, which I, I don't do unless you get in super big leagues anyway. But there's that advantage. You, the, the third early third round pick just ends up having a nice a nice advantage over everybody else because you get that next talent pool that's already there. I, that being said, I've done a draft already. I did one for our friends Welsh and Bogman over there, and I did one. And I picked that at number nine spot. And I actually liked how the team turned out, but I say, still was I- like sitting there. I was looking at seven. Like, if you could just get Cooper Cup at seven or nine, potentially. Okay, I got Cup at nine. Okay, like, so if you can start your team, <laughs> as late as you can start your team with Cup, I think is a really good start. Because, I don't know, like, I, I get why Jefferson and Chase are going number one. I get why Tyreek is up there. But I do have Cup as a part of that tier as well. The crazy thing was, is I don't disagree with you at all. We sat on my show a few weeks ago and sat there and said, like, Cup deserves to be in the conversation. The only question is health. And the problem is, it's the health of him and Stafford. Uh, although this is the first time that Cup's had a significant injury to this level. And when he left, you know this, I don't, I'm not telling you something you don't know, Pat. When he left that game, if you take that game out, because it was pretty early in the game, before that, up until that point of the season, he was two points per game ahead of everybody at wide receiver, including Jefferson. It was an enormous gap for wide receiver to be that in front of everybody. So we sat there and had the conversation. I sat there with Meany and I said, like, look, he deserves to be in the conversation with Jefferson, Hill, and Chase. 
and blah, blah. And, and then I did my projection sheet and it came out. And Cooper Cup has a, a significant gap to him, to Jefferson, because I have him playing 17 games. And somebody was like, well, why do you have him there if you ranked him third? I was like, well, you gotta, you're baking in the risk of Stafford and him being healthy for the entire season as this offense broken from last year. But if he stays healthy for 17, Stafford Hayes stays healthy for 17. Cup is the number one wide receiver. There's no question about it. And just looking at it right now, in the high-stakes NFC, he's going at seven overall. Like, Bijan Robinson's going at number eight. Patrick Mahomes is going at nine. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I, I, it's always fun to watch those. I, I've seen Bijan Robinson go as early as not only the number one running back, but, like, the second, third pick overall in some of those. Well, the, the only hard thing about starting, let's say you get number nine. Actually, number nine works mm-hmm. out a little bit better than like taking him at number seven because at number seven, what is that? Pick number 16 on the way back? 15? Let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, 16 or 17, whatever it is. It's just another glut of wide receivers that you can take at that spot. It's Devontae Adams and Amon Ra and Garrett Wilson and Jalen Waddle. Or you get pushed into the Nick Chubb reaching on him. You get pushed into Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, which I mean, I still I don't mind Nick I, Chubb there, though. I, I mean, I don't mind Derrick. I mean, would you actually pick Nick Chubb above Derrick Henry? Yes. Why? 100%. Why? Because one, one guy's better. <laughs> because. <laughs> no, because like, do you get. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I, I just I, I I always forget that you do your rankings for you get 100 bonus points if you get stuff from the one yard line trying to get a touchdown. <laughs> Nick Chubb, best running back there is. Nick Chubb just had 12 touchdowns last year. Yeah, should have had f- should have had 40. <laughs> Look, it comes down to the offense. I don't like like I don't trust the Titans offense with or without Ryan Daniel. I don't trust it with Tannehill at this point and what it was last year. I don't trust it with Will Levis if he comes in and which is probably assumed at some point. And Derrick Henry at this point in his career, like two years ago and even before last season, I was making the argument like everybody has in their mind that Derrick Henry is hitting that threshold of like, oh my God, it's going to fall off. It's all these touches. And I sat there and said two things. One is people forget how much he split the first two years of his career. Also, the dude's an effing tank. There's nobody, there's no human in football that's like him. All that being said, is if I'm going to take Nick Chubb with no Kareem Hunt and the offense that I think is significantly better, it comes down to that being the breaking threshold. Derrick Henry, I just I don't trust that he's going to have that many scoring opportunities this year like he usually does. You are right. He's going to plug it in 10 times more than Nick Chubb will. But how many opportunities he's going to get for that is my concern. I, I still don't understand the Tony Pollard at 26 either. Like, he, the, the 20, 26, 27 ADP is Tony Pollard and Chris Olave. Like, Chris Olave's fine. But give me the guy who could be the number one running back. I, I th- so you're saying too low. Yeah, he's way too right? low. Yeah, I think that that's the, the fear is, is this what the opening day? Like if you said right now, everybody drafting Tony Pollard, Malik Davis, not, not Ronald Jones and Deuce Vaughn are going to be the backfield for the Cowboys. You would see Tony Pollard probably at the end of the first round. I think the biggest concern people drafting right now is they're Fournette. not confident that the ca- no, yeah. Anybody, Zeke coming back at a discount. Like Zeke Fournette and Hunt are sitting out there right now. Dalvin Cook to a degree, but Dalvin Cook's really probably not in play with the Cowboys. One of them at some point is probably going to be like, you know what? I'll just take the $2 million to play another season and get like somebody's going to break somewhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be with the Cowboys, but I think that's the fear people have is that Tony Pollard is going to split. And Tony Pollard is also coming off a significant injury. Everybody's just assuming he's 100% by week one, and he should be. But I think you have to bake that in a little bit, too. And I think that's why he's at 26. I agree with you. Him versus uh, Alave, 100 times I'm taking Tony Pollard for the upside. But I think it's fair to worry about him as of today in the middle of, well, middle, late June. 
So, like, looking at my projections versus where everything is coming out at running back, like, Pollard rates out as the third best running back for me. Ramondre Stevenson rates out as the fourth best running back for me. Mm-hmm. And that's it for a half-point PPR scoring, by the way. And, like, Joe Mixon is number six. Uh, the Joe Mixon, I've got a lot of Joe Mixon. I think that's another one is the, oh, does he get pushed by the Bengals to restructure his contract? Because you saw that report the other day that they want to bring him to the quarter or the running back market, whatever the hell that means. I guess they, they want him to take a pay cut. Um, <laughs> but if Joe Mixon's still there, they didn't really draft major, like Chase Brown, sure, but he's just stepping in for Samaj P. Ryan, who and arguably isn't Samaj P. Ryan at this point. So Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon. He's in one of the best offenses. He's going to be fine. Like volume alone is going to carry him. How high have you seen Alexander Madison going in drafts right now? That is the answer. Can I just say two? Too high? Too high? T-T-O-O, too high? Uh, I've seen him go as low as an RB1, and I am not on that train with Alexander Madison. I think the biggest mistake people are making is I've seen people like our good friend Rich Rebar has actually mentioned the fact that if you look at the games without Cook and two of them were against the Lions and they're well, like the volume dependent and he, he, they're all right. Let's just come down to like the real, the realistic situation with Madison. Madison, probably the comparison I've made, Pat, is Aaron Jones for the Packers, which can be an RB1 with the touchdown upside because Aaron Jones got there by scoring double digit over a dozen touchdowns but the concern is he's going to split i think they brought in Dwayne mcbride as the power kind of an aj Dillon option ty chandler still in the mix somehow and guanu is still there if they want to keep him and with the special teams versus ty chandler anyway i don't think it's going to be alexander madison getting the dalvin cook or even the alexander madison workload i don't think he's going to get those 20 carries two or three four five receptions in the passing game i think he's going to be in the aaron jones role which is fine great rb2 the problem is i don't think he's an rb1 Last one. Do you have concerns about Austin Eckler this year with the Chargers' new offense? No. Uh, you don't? Like, uh, like it might not just be check down city anymore? I don't, just because I think Austin Eckler's still great between the tech. He's not the best in the world, but look, we've played. I thought Isaiah Spiller would be more of a factor. I was an Isaiah Spiller fan. Wrong on that. Joshua Kelly, whatever. But I just don't think there's enough knocking away from his touches that – Maybe he's not number two. Maybe he's not number five. I still think he's top 10. The problem is I have zero Austin Eckler because you're going to love this, Pat, because usually I'm the one that's like, ooh, running back. But where Austin Eckler's going in the first round because he's clearly ADP, like consensus number two running back. Just the second quarterback. You take Christian McCaffrey, done. You don't even have to look. You know the second running back is Austin Eckler. There, I'm like, eh, I'm just going to take a wide receiver. Yeah, I think I would fall into that same boat right now. Like, we haven't projected at a 16.4% market share. I could see that dropping to, like, 10 with Kellen Moore as the OC. Like they didn't I could honestly po- like see it's not, it happen. It's not like Pollard, and, and maybe it's because it seemed like Pollard was a good receiver. They just, as a part of that offense, did not decide to throw to them enough. It's almost the same concerns that I have with Arthur Smith with Bijan Robinson in Atlanta that— I've never seen that offense throw to running backs. I don't see why all of a sudden there's going to be a running back with 90 catches. I, you, you and I talked about that back on the running back show. Um, I was like off the cuff when we did it at the time. It was like almost immediately after the draft. And I was like, I could see B. John Robinson top five. And then I went back, did everything you and I talked about with Arthur Smith, ran out that I don't even have the Falcons running a thousand plays, offensive plays <laughs> this year. and went through all of it and the passing and the rushing. And I got B. John Robinson as RB8. Like, I just can't get him there because you and I agreed on that one facet is that the Nick Chubb upside in the passing game is probably what's realistic. If he caught 50 balls, I wouldn't be shocked because he's B. John Robinson. 
I just don't think the offense and Ritter and the style is that is there for that. The conversation that you just had with the Pollard to Eckler, that's why I'm not that concerned about Eckler because even Pollard splitting last year, what was he, RB7 or 8? Sure. And that was a lot of splitting. So, so I think that's the floor of Eckler is what I was going to get at. Okay, yeah, but I think that's a more realistic. He's probably like he's going to be ranked running back two. Projections might even show him as running back one, but I would have this concern that there's a precipitous drop-off of how much he did in the passing game. Because we just saw all Joe Lombardi running backs caught, you know, ended up with like 100 targets if they were the lead in the backfield. Now, maybe that's a reflection of the running backs that he's had or the running backs that they wanted to have on the field most of the time. But a lot of that, too, was him just being stuck in there inside the five-yard line and piling up all these touchdowns a year ago. Like, if you assume natural touchdown regression and then you can project a dip in volume of the overall receiving work, all of a sudden he doesn't look so good. He looks good, but not so good. And that's why if you want to do what I do in most of my drafts and end up with a running back in the first two rounds, you take it in the second. Where Eckler is going, that's when you take Jefferson Cup, even Hill, even Chase. You go that route, come back, and whatever your feelings are, you'll have a choice of the running backs in that range. Like maybe not Nick Chubb kind of that point because where Eckler is going is pick two, three, four right around there. But you come back, Roger Stevenson's still going in that range. Uh, you could look at... I'm trying to think Najee Harris, uh, Josh Jacobs. People don't love Josh Jacobs still, even after last year. I would rather have, have, I would rather have, I would much rather have Jacobs than have Najee Harris. Najee Harris, I know he looked like better than he did. And and it's funny when I, I talk about this in golf all the time, like Rory takes a ton of shit because he's always so close to winning, but doesn't win. But John Rahm gets none of this shit because he comes like T30th when he doesn't win. It's like, hey, he wasn't even in contention. Why is coming in second worse than coming in 30th in a big event? I don't quite understand it. And Harris is kind of judged on the same level. Like he was dog shit for the first 12 games of the year. And then it turned out he had like a lead foot or something like that. And then he looked like, yeah kind of okay at the end of the year it's like oh my god he's barry sanders all of a sudden it's like no he still looks like shit he's just not like awful anymore (laughs) no it's the first eight and it was after their bye he had the list frank issue he was dealing with and then i'm not completely disagreeing with what you say but the second half of the season let's split like he wasn't a barry sanders he was a rb1 but a low end rb1 because of but because of volume it's not like he was breaking off 60 yard runs (laughs) No, of course not. But I don't think we're talking about Mike Tomlin's offense. The volume is we're still talking 300 touches. I am as a low end RB1. Don't get me wrong. I don't put him in the same. I have Josh Jacobs four or five spots ahead of him. I just, I would have him as a low end RB1 because you kind of like crapped all. You could probably get Najee Harris in the third round. You could probably go wire. If you're drafting where Austin Eckler's going, so the third or fourth pick, and then you're that late in the second round, you could probably go wide receiver, wide receiver, and then still get Harris on the comeback early third round, which goes back to what you were asking about my draft position. That's why I really love the like that third, fourth spot. And I'm looking at it now, like Ramondre is going around the same spot as Najee Harris. I'd much rather have Ramondre. Yeah, that's Stevenson. Much higher ceiling. Yeah, and like Brees Hall is going after those guys. I have no idea what his injury status is, but fuck it. I'd rather take right. Brees Hall than take Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going to be fine, but he has to be a value in order for you to draft him because we're not going to get a 300 and let's say like the efficiency. He has an efficient year all of a sudden and he's going to get over 300 carries. And we didn't see the same sort of passing game work with him as we did the first season with Ben. So we can kind of like X that out a little bit. We're not going to sneak by on a few like seven catches for 35 yard type games to dig us out of a hole. If he's not doing it on the ground or that offense isn't all that good where let's say what 300 yards, 
or sorry, 300 yards. The 300 carries, like 1,200 yards, seems like a, a pretty good ceiling for his what he can do on the ground. Like he just strikes me as like a 3.7 yards per carry guy with no ability to turn the corner and rush for 70 <laughs> yards. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'm just way off base on what a full year removed from that injury will do to him. But I never saw him that way anyway. Mm, it's funny. I laugh because I have him for 300 carries and 1,208 yards. I'm right at about four yards. Per, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's four yards per carry. And so I'm with you that Brees Hall is interesting. I'm, I think the biggest thing is the unknown factor. And so this comes into the conversation you and I had about Saquon Barkley the year they got hurt against the Cowboys in week five is I'll happily draft Brees Hall for the upside of knowing, do I have to wait till October to get Brees Hall top 10, top seven? and understand those first four weeks are going to be like RB20, I would absolutely do that over Najee Harris playing 17 games, finishes RB12 because he was RB17 basically all year long. It's just kind of like always right in that mix, and it's kind of like, eh, okay, that's fine. I want the guy who's going to be top 10 winning me leagues from the latter half of the season. Based on role in their offense and explosion as a player. I mean, that was always one of the big keys about Derrick Henry. He was kind of a plotter, 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 and then boom, 80 yards touchdown. It's like, oh, I won my week because of Derrick Henry. I just never see that from Harris. Like, to me, why wouldn't I just take Cam Akers or James Conner way later, who seem to have exactly the same role as he has in his offense? Uh, I wouldn't take James Conner because I think that offense is going to be beyond pitiful. I don't know that Kyle Murray The the Pittsburgh offense was, like, kind of beyond pitiful last year. I think everybody's overlooking that as well. I'm with you on that. Like I, I did my top five breakout quarterbacks. And once you get rid of rookies, people who've already broken out and people who've already been like elite, there's only about five guys left. So I had to include Kenny Pickett, but I was like, I'm technically not including Kenny Pickett because he stinks like seven touchdowns, nine interceptions in 13 games. Like people really paying attention to this, like sure, double it up, 14 touchdowns, whatever this offense, you're right. is going to stink. The Cam Akers one. Are you trying to bait me into that? Are you tra- are you doing that because it's me? Are you trying to get me coming back to say I would take Cam Akers over Najee Harris at cost? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think at cost. <laughs> I think at cost. There's absolutely no question that Cam Akers is the better draft pick. Now, I but I just think yeah. that they're closer to like when I finalize my rankings and I'll have an entire show breaking all that down. We'll debate it back and forth, but I think that they're going to be pretty close. At, right now, I have a 35 point gap from Harris to Cam Akers. And that's baking in a lot of risk for Cam Akers. And even that, 35, it's two points per game. It's kind of significant, but it's not as big as like the perception would be. Like the perception is they're just on other planets for when it comes to fantasy purposes. I'm checking out where where the hell is Harris in these? Harris. I think Cam Akers over Alexander Madison, straight up. See, I actually, it's not that I believe in Madison, but I believe in that role in that offense a little bit more that if you're right about Madison, he wins you your league. If you're right about Harris, like you got good value at pick 28. Yeah, but I was just, I was talking Acres specifically. Acres oh, versus Madison. Like if, oh, if yeah. we're right about both of them, I'm taking Acres. So I'm looking at it right now, like projection wise, uh, the first run of projections for half point PPR of Cam Akers at 195 points and Najee Harris at 172. So a 20 point gap in favor of Cam Akers. Yeah, you're much, you're much, you're much lower than Najee Harris than I am. I think, I think that we're going to see uh, Jalen Warren a little bit more. I was offense? about to, that was going to be my follow-up. I need to take a little swig of my drink over here, but uh, you, so you're, I don't want to say buying into, because that makes it sound like you can't think for yourself, but like the reports that 
Jalen Warren is going to see more. There's no way they can keep him off the field as much as they did last year. Are you believing that that that's part of what's going to happen this year to Najee? Like Najee Harris for me, you're coming out right out saying 300 carries way too much. I feel like that's the case. I've just amended uh, the projections a little bit. So let's see here. There, that makes it a little bit easier because the gap that Justin had in his projections, he thinks that the gap is going to be a lot smaller. And I mean, he's better at projections than I am, so I'm inclined to trust mm-hmm. him on these things. But let me re- readjust it to what I think that offense is going to look like in terms of rushing attempts. So let's not forget Mr. Concussion himself, Kenny Pickett, loves to run the ball. Loves just to put his head down and not look where he's going. Uh, so the amended ones in half-point PPR now put them all on exactly, it's funny, exactly the same tier. Cam Akers, 195. James Conner, 193. Najee Harris, 190. And that gives him 252 rushing attempts, and that gives him 50 targets. So there you go. The biggest difference, and we're right there on the other two, but the biggest difference from mine to yours is Najee Harris that I'm not buying into that Mike Tomlin's going to change his stripes. I, I, I just kind of go to that Najee Harris, 300 touches. I, or 300 I, carries. 300 carries. 300 so, touches. I mean, if you're curious yeah. about what the split is in terms of rushing market share, that's 55% for Harris, 24% for Warren. So he out-touches him over 2-1, to one, and then Kenny Pickett's in there for 14% as well. Yeah, I think so the biggest difference I have is, so I have Warren... Um, I'm 19% of the carries, and I have Najee Harris getting 65% of the carries. Yeah, you realize it's Jalen Warren, not Warren from something about Mary, right? <laughs> I do realize that. Okay. I also realize that Mike Tomlin loves his bell cows. That he does, but, I mean, they put a lot of strain onto Harris. Maybe he's not the he's not the guy that they thought he was. Maybe they need to move oh, on. Oh, absolutely. I He's definitely volume-dependent. And for me sitting here and saying that, you know, Mike Tomlin loves his bell cows, this is also something I've pushed back on Doug Peterson. It's like Doug Peterson was always like, oh, he's always committed. He always runs multiple running backs. And it's like until he had Miles Sanders' rookie season, it's like the talent can kind of dictate coaches changing a little bit. They're probably going to stick with what they do and what they know best. But if Mike Tomlin finally pulled back on that a little bit and it was 60-40 as in the total share – it wouldn't shock me. I don't I don't think it happens because I do believe the list Frank was a major issue and he looked better in the second half. That being said, Najee Harris better, still 4.1 yards per carry or whatever it is. Um, I just, I do believe that Harris is more stable as the guy. I think Warren continues to be a sprinkle and not a share. If I was to make the nesty plunge on a volume-based <laughs> low explosion running back, the cost to me is just too high. Because if the volume isn't okay. there, then you're That's... screwed. Like, if I waste Absolutely. a pick on Cam Akers in the sixth round or seventh round, like, that sucks. I could have been a much better pick. But I wasn't me relying on that guy to be my best running back at that point. Yeah. and but I So would you say the cost of Najee Harris at the second, third turn, that's still too much for you? Yeah, it's way too much. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I just don't – I think part of it, too, is I'm looking at that next group, and I really don't want to dip into that next group of running backs because it's the Aaron Jones, ETN, Ken Walk. It's I would, I would rather have – I would rather have – yeah, like I would rather have ETN. Roll the dice on Aaron Jones. I don't care. I, I think that's where Harris should be. Like, Brees Hall was in that area, too, and I'd just rather have Brees Hall. And, like, looking at it, you know what? I, I'd probably rather take, like, Lamar with that pick than take Najee Harris. I'd rather take – roll the dice on Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, or Jerry Judy, or Keenan Allen, like one of these guys that are all going around the same spot than tie myself into that. I'd just rather find running back elsewhere, either earlier or much later. 
Yes, and that, that's the part I agree with. Earlier or later, it's I don't want to get into that mix of those running backs. I'm I'm very much staying away from the, that tier, so to speak. But you're a little bit more positive than I am on ETN. I like ETN and Walker. ETN very explosive, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I love good explosion. The problem is they don't use him too much in the passing game, and now they're bringing in Bigsby or drafted Bigsby, Clayton Bigsby. Um, <laughs> to be fair, uh, yeah, to be fair. The hype that Bigsby got over the past two or three weeks from the fantasy community and the draft community combined is probably going to discount ETN enough that I'll be back in on ETN. I was off ETN as a fringe running back one, but you give him his mid RB2 and I'll take him all day long. Let's talk tight ends very briefly. Like Dalton Kincaid is the guy in Buffalo, but Dawson Knox is still there, obviously. So dynasty wise, I get why it, makes, why it makes sense, but are any outside unless like you really want some good like team names with uh what's this guy's name zach Kuntz for the jets Kuntz, that's he's from odu oh great good for him i gotta get hey i gotta get my victory celebrations from odu when i can hey maybe we have like four relevant players of hey, all time you had taylor heineke he was a fun story I mean, we had taylor heineke zach pascal travis fulgham for like a half season so we got to get little glimmers here and there. We got to enjoy them while we can. Are any of these guys draftable or are they just like potential streamers at one point during the season? Potential streamers slash flyers. I am lower than most on Kincaid. I know everybody's like, but he's not going to be used as a tight end. They like, have a lot of guys. Where does he, <laughs> I, and where does he line up? That's great. If they run, run more 12, like he's still a rookie tight end that if you put him on the field, unless you completely reclassify him and take him away and put him at wide receiver what are you telling the offense or the defense when he's on the team with the offense he's not gonna be blocking like it's obvious so you kind of take away a little bit of that and i think people are just predicting he's gonna be on the field like 70 80 percent of the time like no i I, i'll happy to be wrong on that one kincaid's going way too high for me you put him up there by like cole Komet. stop not doing it um i think i have two in front of him i would take a gamble on mayor and laporta because of where they landed mayor especially with the raiders no more darren waller uh, uh they actually have basically no tight ends period outside of drafting mayor who can be an every down talent tight end he is he was my number one tight end in this draft but i think the other interesting one was laporta he's going to replace hawkinson in detroit you know jared golf and that offense is going to throw 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 and no jameson williams suspended for eight games uh, still kind of a miss and the chark is gone you know they brought in other pieces but like if you're looking for somebody who could surprise it's laporta but it's still tight end rookies one out of ten at best usually makes an impact in fantasy so i would just pretty much stay away unless you're in a deep league yeah i have laporta as the highest ranked for this year alone but he's still the laporta potty like i mean with that kind of name laporta potty how uh, many points do you have him getting uh let's see here 94 I have him for 97. He's yeah. right there with like Gerald Everett and Trey McBride and Irv Smith for me. Yeah, like he's around Cole Komet, Noah Fant, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, Joanna Man Johnson, yeah. like those guys. Yeah. Like behind. Right there with you. Like that's still behind Greg Dulcich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Irv behind Smith. Behind uh, No, I don't, I don't have Man, this. Man, I'm going to have way too much Irv Smith this year. <laughs> Great. Good. Have fun with that. Like, He'll play one game and like, like have a phantom. I was leg just about injury. to say, if he stays healthy. <laughs> like, who is the lowest hey. of the good tight ends? I think it's Firemouth is probably the lowest. And he's like, he projects out as tight end number 11. So you have like Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle, me Timbers, Goddard, Pitts, Schultz, Higby, 
Ingram, Waller, Fryermouth. I don't know what to make of Ertz. Ertz could actually be really good if he's healthy and like the only guy in that offense. I mean, he's the king of standing five yards away from a quarterback. The easiest, the easiest well, receptions <laughs> alive Zach Ertz is able to make. So uh, I actually wonder if Trey McBride doesn't start chipping away from him at this point of their careers. I, I tried so, that. I tried that once last year. Not a success. It was just his rookie season. You got to get like, this is now a second year. I, I'm saying that is why I'm not drafting Zach Ertz, not why I'm drafting Trey McBride. I still think that offense is going to be utter duck crap. But uh, you, did you not say Cole Komet? Do you have Cole Komet that low? Yeah. Don't forget, Justin Fields might suck. Like, I know uh, everyone just really uh, wants him to be really good, but there's just one problem. He might not be any good. <laughs> I don't believe that, but there is one name I would throw in that group. At your list as you ran through, a little bit different order than me, but agree with all those except that I put Komet in there. So I have 14. The names you mentioned, I would not put um, Ertz in there. I would put Komet in there. But the I, I didn't, I didn't have Ertz in there. I just mentioned Ertz. I know. I know. I was just, as for clarification, the one that I would add to the list is the clear number two for the Titans. And I Okongwo. think Chig Okonkwo deserves yeah. to be, yeah, Okonkwo. I have him at 12. Behind. Oh, I, I didn't hear him. I, 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 I didn't say him because I said. Oh, because you said 11. I, I said 11. Yeah. He's number 12. But I think that there's a big line in the sand between Fryermith and him in terms of both safety. and. I mean, the upside, I think, probably rests with Okonkwo. But I feel like there's no floor there either. There's probably no floor, but I have him in the same tier as Ingram and Higby. Which, by the way... I don't know like why I said it that way, but Higby just had a hundred targets, and really, we're doing the Van Jefferson. Is Higby like? Are we, is it finally time to buy into Higby? Like the hype is gone; it's all gone, and he just came off a hundred targets, and now he's the number two, if at worst, number three with Matthew Stafford. Or we, I don't have way too much Higby too. He's being drafted at pick number one forty-three, tight end fourteen. He's That's behind your boy, the, the the best of man commit. He's behind that guy. <laughs> Oh, thanks for that laugh. No <laughs> Before problem. We get out of here. <laughs> all right, Jake at Allen Kid on the Twitter box, theathletic.com to find all of his stuff. Are you like full blown? You got full blown football on the mind now, or does that start like oh, America yeah. Day? No, 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 no. Baseball season kicks off, and the rankings and projections are pretty much done. And I do two mailbags after that, and then that's pretty much it. Like it's. 99% as soon as the baseball season starts football and then that 1% dissipates and is gone now. It's already gone. They still play baseball? That happens still? <laughs> it's not helping that my Mets are the most miserable thing in history forever. The good thing about the marriage is that Cole has seen what it's like to be a Mets fan. It's it's, it's miserable life. It's not great? Not fun? No. No. It could be worse. You could be like a Cleveland Browns fan. Hmm. I don't know how far that is from like the, the the similarities at this point. Hey, the Mets what one in eighty six? Yeah, eighty six. You, you were alive for that. I mean, no no Cleveland Brown fan has been alive barely, barely. <laughs> still, you were still alive. When did the Cleveland Browns last win? Like nineteen thirty or something? I don't know. It was the old the old Cleveland Browns, as I put that in quotes. Cleveland Browns last. You're looking it up. Championship. It's like the AFL or something like that. The Cleveland Browns are yet to win a Super Bowl. However, before the AFL-NFL merger in 1970, the Browns did win the NFL championship last in 1964. Good for them. There you go. Impressive stuff. Impressive half century. 
I mean, interesting more than half sidebar on i just take i'm taking this from you the, the afl that that whole merger thing the number of times that the bears and giants met in the championship game makes me wonder why they didn't have a bigger rivalry i don't because all those people are dead now <laughs> wow thank you for that yeah <laughs> so it's hard to keep so that morbid. one going <laughs> All right, that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Smash the yeah. like on the way out. Sub to Mayo Media Network. You can check out the running backs rookie episode along with the quarterback rookie episode up on Mayo Media Network and the podcast feed. So sub to both right now. All right, and use runthesims.com for free and alter your projections any way you want. All right? Pat Mayo, thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience.